This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You are, you now, are now listening, listening to, to the unmistakable sound of the world of war. Got some got some good comments here uh, from 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 those watching with us. Corey Weber, Corey Dub, good to see you, man. Let's revisit, and this is this is your point, Mike. Let's revisit A and M's best ever class in a couple of years when half the class has entered the portal again. All with the, the high class play. comes, yeah. I, I, with those, expe- I mean, it's going to come expectations on part of the fans as well as those kids who are coming there as well. They're expecting to see some playing time and make a difference. Can't play everyone. The rules are still the same. You can only get eleven out there, right? So fact. that's that's going to be interesting to see. Auburn dad, good to see you, Tim Cook. All right, Mike G, this is yeah, – are you still doing this, Mike? Oh, man. Listen, are you still doing this? <laughs> I, I, I stopped because people were get, were just so negative about my, like, everyday tweet at Tim Cook. And uh, I, admittedly, I just got tired of reading people say, this is not the right way to do it. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about, man? The whole point is, is, is that I thought it would have been cool to have a tweet every day for a year. Mm-hmm. And finally, somebody's going to be like, hey, Tim, this guy tweeted at you every day for a year. <laughs> like, maybe, and I don't know what his stance is on NIL and, and how, but it, it would be cool if he had some sort of side business. Maybe he can't be officially affiliated with Apple, where he said, you know, hey, these student athletes can be, you know, representatives of our foundation. Or, like, I'm sure Tim Cook has, like, a, foundation or something that he they can help bring awareness to um and uh we definitely could help him coordinate that you know with some great entities within auburn that would be willing to help so um i hope i don't know if anybody's in his ear about this but god like this is like this would be like nike money oregon nike money for sure sure. we'd be literally unstoppable tim cook's name should be on something in auburn the Nevilles didn't even go to Auburn. The Nevilles didn't go to Auburn, <laughs> right? So, like, I'm thinking, why can't, Why is this guy in his name on the Haley Center, <laughs> right? He's on a new football facility. The Haley Cook Center, yeah, or, like, something. Come on, bro. Don't do it 100 mil. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously. Let's, let's, let's get back into uh, our topic. We agreed that the... the Vertical passing game needs to improve in 2022 from what it was last year, right? As you guys mentioned, we tried, but not at the successful or rate that other teams' schools did. And again, if we hit one or two of the more of those in a game, think about what impact that would have had on our season last year as it pertains to some of the games we lost, right? Let's look at the returning QBs. And, of course, who's going to be missing from this is, of course, Olden Garner, who's a true freshman this year, and Robbie Ashford, who has yet to really play any real football at this level. Mm. Uh, let's, let's, show, let's show the guys, and I may hold off on this for, for now so you can see everything. 
Let's show who the returning guys are and what they did last year. Now, we see Finley here. Finley played a total, he started, what, a total of three games? Is that correct, fellas, last year? South Carolina, the Iron Bowl, and the bowl game, correct? Mm. I know he uh, played. What was it, four games? It may have been four. South Carolina, Iron, yeah, no, it was three. It was three. It was three. Calzada got in, what, the second or third game of the year and played the rest of the way. So here, here are some of the numbers. Of course, Finley didn't play as much as Calzada, but here are the numbers in terms of what these guys did in terms of 20, throwing for completing passes that traveled at least 20 yards. Uh, Finley on the outside threw uh, one of five uh, for 20 yards. Uh, in the middle of the field, he, uh, where he made the most of his attempts, he completed five of 14 attempts. 461 yards. And then to the outside right, he completed 29 yards, one of four. Calzada last year for AM completed five of 12 for 135 total yards and two touchdowns. In the middle of the field, he completed eight of 17 for 290 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. I remember one of those passes. And uh, to the outside right, he completed three of nine for a total of 90 yards and two touchdowns, all right? And, of course, these passing stats are courtesy of pro football focus. As we look at who we have coming, uh, who we have coming back, the QB competition uh, that's at stake, again, we don't know what Robbie Ashford can do. We didn't really see, I think he completed a really good, pa he completed a pass across the middle to Capers who took it. Uh, it wasn't exactly, I don't think that was a 20 plus yard throw. I think it was intermediate, mm -hmm. but he just took it and made it a, a, a long, a long play. We don't know what to expect really in 2022, but we know what we're working with in terms of what the guys have done last year. What do we make of the passing game? And, and Mike G has already stated the importance of having a vertical threat that opposing teams respect. When we look at what these guys have done last year, what, what do you make, Mike G, I'll start with you, of the competition and what's to be expected of these guys in the, in the summer and fall going into the upcoming season? Ah, oh, competition. Um, First of all, just happy that we can use that word this offseason. Competition. Guys competing. Um, these down the field numbers that we're looking at, uh, like I said, can we put can we put the numbers back up? I wanna yeah, I wanna look yeah, at Calzada's numbers. Um oh, sorry. So um when you look at Calzada's numbers, right? You know, five of twelve, eight of seventeen, three of nine. You know, that's exactly what I was talking about in terms of, you know, uh, where accuracy normally is for these guys. Um, and I'm I'm doing some quick math here. So he had a total of 38 passes downfield. Right. And he completed uh, 16 of them. Right. So he was 16 of 38, which is about 42 percent passing. That's where we need our guy to be this year. Um, and I think that's part of what gives him 
the edge, a little bit of an edge in this quarterback race. Uh, conversely, if you look at, even though it's a much smaller sample size, right? If you look at Finley's numbers, uh, he was, he made 23 attempts downfield. He completed six of them, right? So he was 26% passing beyond 20 yards. That's right where we cannot be. We will fail miserably if our down the field passing is sub 30%. Can I add something real quick, Mike G? Sure. I'll let you continue. His adjusted completion percentage of passes 20, this is Zach Calzada, was 50%. Okay, so there again, there were a few passes that he threw that should have been caught. You know, if you think about that, right? So the difference... Um, uh, the difference between uh, 42% completion percentage and where he where he would have been if those adjusted completion percentage passes is, would have been caught, that's three passes. That's three passes that he threw down the field that should have been caught and weren't for whatever reason. So, Finley's, Finley's, for the record, uh, got he got a bump of 34.8% in adjusted completion percentage. Still right, not still great. Yeah. That's like, that's like great. one pass. That's like one pass. Yeah. That's like one pass, right? So, like, you know, of the, uh, again, the 23 passes that he threw down the field, if you just say, uh, um, if you just say, like, seven of them got caught, which would be the extra one, that bumps them up to, like, 31%. So it's pretty close. It's about, it's about 1.5 passes. So he doesn't get the same bump. And this is why I think you, we cannot um, we cannot disregard how Zach Calzada factors into this race. Yeah, because you have a whole season of tape, and, and Caesar it was game two that he took over, and Haynes King got hurt. He threw thirty eight passes in that game. Well, this was Colorado State, right? Or Colorado. Colorado? Yeah, Colorado. So, like he, um, yeah, he came in versus Colorado. They won that game ten to seven. <laughs> Yeah, was, he did not have a good game that game. Yeah, he was 18 for 38 for 183 yards and one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, very low QBR. Uh, I mean, but again, got called off the bench, and I'll give him that. Now, his his completion percentage on the season was disappointing, but he also played behind one of the worst O-lines in our league last year by the numbers. They replaced everybody going into last season on their O-line. Everybody. Yeah. So all their starters left, and it was rough. It was rough goings for him. Now, it's going to be super important. Now, if you remember our game versus him, there was a critical down-the-field pass that he hit. And we missed almost all of ours. But when the game was on the line and they needed to keep a drive going, he completed a pass down. He threw a perfect pass down the field, and it got caught. We need our quarterbacks to do that this year. It's going to be a really long season. We have to improve, and there can't be any excuses from any side on this. I don't want to hear about the O-line. I don't want to hear about the receivers. I don't want to hear about the quarterback. Everybody just needs to do their job and get this done in 2022. Everybody. No one is excluded from this. So we need protection. We need protection so that they can get it down the field. We, we, we're the fourth best pass-blocking unit in the league last year. So there was enough pass blocking to get this done. Fourth best. And despite what guys come back. Yeah, yeah. And most and almost all of those guys, all those guys except for one is coming back. Yeah. 
And I think some of them are taking advantage of their COVID year. So a sixth year of eligibility, which is a gift in terms of strength and conditioning, another year to be stronger and faster than people who are maybe just entering SEC play that you're going to be competing against. That, that unit should dominate. Figure out run blocking, and that unit should dominate. They will be the most experienced line in our league by a long shot. So they got to do their part, man. They have to do their part for whoever's at quarterback. The quarterback has to do his part. Don't hold on to the ball forever, expecting the line to just hold up for four seconds on average every play so you can go through your reads like you're reading a book. Say the book, man. This is speed reading. Do it fast and get the ball out of your hands and help you take the pressure off your line. Receivers have to create separation. And they need to catch the, the, the perfect balls that are thrown to them. And, and similar to what we saw Xavion Capers do for Robbie Ashford, every once in a while you got to bail your quarterback out on a not-so-perfect pass. Everybody has a role to play in this thing, man. It can't be all receivers bailing out the quarterback. It can't. And it can't be the quarterback running around trying to make plays because the line is breaking down constantly. And it can't be the line having to block for four seconds on average, which is a lifetime in college football, to give you time to go through your reads. So it's, it's just a whole team effort. Last year, I feel like a lot of people felt like I left. I let the line off the hook completely. And it wasn't the case, man. It was just a lot. They did. They were performing better. They were taking uh, the the line and the receivers were taking much more of the blame than was there. The truth was, all three units had something to do with why our passing game was not what it should have been. We were inconsistent on every level, and honestly, of the three units, the line was the most consistent. The receivers and the quarterback were not. You know, so I would say if you're looking at last year, it was line was the most consistent and it was a tie between quarterback and receivers with inconsistency. We just have to we just have to do better, man. This is year two. And that jump that we talked in our last live stream, we talked about the year one, year two jump. This is what I'm looking for in this one year, one year two jump. And then watch Tank, if we fix this, watch Tank get off. Tank could blow up this year. Yeah. If we could just take the pressure off the run game some and, and just let him do his thing so that when they're, they don't know what to expect. Right. You know, then get the ball in the hand of your playmakers. Uh, uh, during A-Day, you know, I was happy to see. It got called back on a penalty, but it was cool watching Malcolm Johnson on the end putting a spin move on a guy getting upfield. Think about how little we saw receivers just make plays with the ball in their hand last year. Yeah. I mean, like a guy, like, you know, he was he, he should have been dead to rights. He put a spin move on the guy and got it feel like another eight yards. We need that, man. We need that from our receivers this year. I, I was excited to see Xavion Capers go over the middle and make two tough catches. When there are bodies flying all around you, it's difficult to concentrate and make some of those catches. So, like, it, it, it's there. There were things to be excited about. Uh, we didn't see Zach Calzada, and I feel like he's starting to be forgotten in this quarterback race. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, Robbie Ashford hype, and, and rightfully so. 
I think he earned it during A-Day. But don't forget about Calzada. Like, I, I, I think based on the numbers that we just saw, he shows very clearly what he brings to this quarterback room. Right. Those are critical passes downfield that might be the difference between six wins and eight wins. War Report family, you are listening to the Weekend Tailgate Podcast. You're in the right place for great discussion of Auburn sports news, but there's so much more available to our YouTube channel patrons. Patron-level supporters get first dibs on select content, special chat privileges when we have special segments and big-time guests, and only patrons get access to our off-season football film reviews that kick off after A-Day. We're talking next-level film breakdowns, so look at what we did in 2021 and even give us a glimpse of what to expect in 2022. And did I mention the patron giveaways? So head on over to our YouTube page and look for the join button. Become a patron-level member and get your weight up. All right, now let's get back to it. Those numbers in and of themselves, uh, we know it's on a different team, but if you take those numbers and put it orange and blue around them, it changes our offense. Mm-hmm. That does. You have to, you have to respect all facets of our offense. Uh, Ike, you, you made this statement a while back, and one of the things that you have noticed about Harson in terms of what he's looking in his quarterbacks is a big arm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And when you look at Calzada, you look at Finley and now Robbie Ashford, we know that there's competition to be had this summer and fall. And the guy who becomes the guy has to put up the numbers. He has to make the passes. How do you feel about our QB room going into this summer and fall in terms of being able to achieve that feat? Uh, I mean, listen, Mike said it. I think Zach Calzada is the X factor here. Um, he, he, you know, we, we can look at the other side of his, his inaccuracy issues for this intermediate and short passes, um, but him being able to have down the field accuracy, I think just it puts it, him in the conversation firmly because, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the arm that TJ has, his accuracy is questionable down the field right now. Yeah. Um, and so I think that whoever is going to be the starter, in my opinion, is going to be the guy who can punish teams down the field the, the, the most frequently um, because that's what you're going to need in order to make the run game go. You have to have the deep shots effective. And if, if he's going to hit him at a 50% clip, if half of the throws he makes over 20 yards are going to be complete passes, that's a nightmare for a defense. If you've got a running back like Tank Bixby or Jarqu- like Jarquez Hunter's a home run waiting to happen, right? Like if he gets a sliver of daylight, he he could house that thing. And he's shown that he can do that. Um, not just in the Alabama State game where he had the, the what was it, 97-yard situation, right? But like the LSU game where, you know, we, he had the late run. It didn't go all the way to the house, but he he definitely got us in position to be able to make that game, the eventual game-winning score that he punched it in on. Um, Penn State, where he hurdled a guy, right? Like, that's that's game-breaking situations. And we know what Tank Bigsby can do in the open field. So uh, if you've got your quarterback able to deliver at a 50% clip, that just changes what you can do offensively completely. It, cha- I mean, it, man, it, it absolutely. Uh, <laughs> defenses don't have a good way to defend a team that can run the ball effectively with two different guys and a deep threat. Mm-hmm. Like 
you it opens up that middle of the field stuff a lot more just because you're gonna have your safeties have to play further back, right? Mm-hmm. Just to make sure they're not, not getting beat deep. Your linebackers have to be responsible for the running back. So they're either gonna be coming downhill to stop the run or they're going to get burnt right over the middle because they're doing that. So they're going to have to stay back a little bit more, which means your screen game is more effective, which means your 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 short run game is going to be more effective. Your, you know, your tunnel screen stuff like it's just it changes the complexion of how you can play football. Just being able to make a defense say he's going to hit one of these. Yeah, your tight ends eat, right? Like yeah. in the, in the yeah. scenario you're describing, your tight ends can eat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, the, de- yeah, the defense it, 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 isn't squatting on your underneath stuff anymore. You they, can't. they can't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, again, it just changes what you're able to do offensively, just because you understand the guy who's sitting back there. If I give him any time whatsoever, he's gonna burn me eventually. No matter like you and and so what you're you're likely going to see is. They're gonna defenses are gonna have to start blitzing more. It's gonna you're gonna get more and more blitz situations popping up, which means again, if you call the right screen at the right time during the blitz, or you call the right quick pass to the outside during a blitz, like, and I trust Brian Harson's offensive mind to be able to diagnose those things and say, okay, this is how they're attacking us. This is how we're going to adjust. Yet to be seen how he does it here at Auburn, but I do think in the past he's shown an ability to do that in his previous offensive coordinating stops mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see how it translates next year um, and again i don't think that it's a lack of us having athletes who can be game breakers who can just take a five yard route and turn it into a 30 40 yard situation 50 60 yard situation right so again if defenses are having to play you know boomer bust defense with us meaning they're just going to have to blitz us consistently and hope that somebody doesn't make a play um that's where i think zach calzada has got to get better Right. What Mike talked about your your deadly accuracy on those short routes. If he's able to do that sort of thing and get better at hitting a quick slant because defenses are like, all right, great. We can't give him time because he's going to throw the deep route. All right, great. We'll just take the five yard one and take that one to the house. And we have the athletes to do that. But the quarterback accuracy has to be better there. So um, that's the thing. If if Zach Calzada has gotten better at that, which to be determined, right? He hasn't had, he's been throwing with the guys at least. So maybe he's building some of that chemistry, but if he can do that better this season, Auburn's offense can be something special to watch. But again, that's a lot of ifs. We don't know. We haven't seen it yet. You can apply that same if to TJ. If TJ gets accurate with with the deep ball, like it's correct. Yeah. Like I'm saying, if you flip that, because TJ's short and intermediate accuracy is actually pretty good like he's he's pretty good on his short route stuff he throws you know the out route really well he throws the um the quick slant fairly well um but when it gets down the field for whatever reason that touch for the deep ball accuracy just hasn't been there as far as understanding the timing of where the receiver is going to be again i liked what i saw from him in a day uh if you look at the total number of passes that he had that traveled beyond 20 yards in a day right that's an improvement in what he you previously saw from him last season, right? So people saying, I didn't see any improvement in TJ. I, I don't know that you're looking at the right things to make that determination, right? Like, right. because what you need TJ Finley to do is hit the deep shot every now and then. What you need TJ Finley to do is just stay consistent on this underneath stuff. Now, the thing that TJ needs to get better at is the speed of his decision-making and not making the ridiculous turnover. Two-minute right? offense where he has to think fast. You yeah. Know? He needs if he can improve in those areas, then he can be, you know, 
an excellent quarterback, but right now he's just not there. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see in the fall as we get back into camp, um, someone differentiates themselves in whatever area they're deficient in. And we have a clear starter who's able to run the totality of that offense. Want to go through this, Zach. We appreciate you watching with us and appreciate your commenting. All TJ has to do is relax his back foot when he plants it. If he can control his back foot when he plants it, he'll hit his long passes. Ike, thoughts on that or Mike? Feels like he's just way jacked up on some of them passes, man. Like adrenaline is flowing. Um, I won't claim to know a bunch about the mechanics you know, of, of, of that in particular or how they're coaching that. But certainly, uh, I do feel like, uh, part of that is about getting, you know, when you're talking about putting touch on the ball down the field, uh, and the right, the right touch on the ball. I mean, there's probably some truth to that, right? Just needs to relax a little bit and, you know, uh, uh, make a good pass. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got some mechanics that he has to work out, but I think it's, it's for him going to be about reps and, um, and and the 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 relationship that he's built with the receivers, just understanding where they're going to be, when they're going to be there. Um, so he's gotten more time with them. And again, I think we've seen the progression of that, right? Like, I know A Day is one game, but it's still a game where he was able to go out there and make better, more accurate throws down the field. And so I think he's gotten better at that. The decision-making is where he's got to improve, and so hopefully he'll continue to make good decisions as his accuracy continues to get better or that rapport with the receivers gets, continues to improve. Mm -hmm. Walt says, new T-shirt. This ain't the library. This is football Turns in terms of TJ reading uh, <laughs> defenses. Mm -hmm. I, I forget who which one of you guys said that. Uh, uh, I was like, yeah, you ain't reading in a book back there. Yeah. <laughs> right, this like, ain't the library. So, this yeah, is football. man. We can't <laughs> give you all that time to read. Just... You know, you got to make quick decisions, so you got to read faster. Uh, Big Blue says, Calzada also hype at the B-ball games with Derek Hall and Jarquez Hunter. Maybe he emerges as a positive leader for the locker room. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? It was oh. good to see him building camaraderie with those guys, um, yeah. but it's, it's going to take a lot more than jumping around the student section to be a leader on the football field. Um, and I think as one of the things that I think helps Zach Galzada a lot is that if he gets into a game and he does the type of things that he did at Texas A&M, which is allowing himself to take big hits while still delivering big plays, that endears you to your team even more. You understand that you've got a fighter back there at quarterback. Because listen, that's what made Joe Burrow popular at LSU that first year before he became, you know, Joe Burrow, the, the Heisman winner. That first year at LSU, he was getting abused often behind mm -hmm. the LSU offensive line, but he would pop back up every single time and go out there and make a big play for his team. Those types of things make guys get excited about their QB. Our QB ain't no punk back here, right? right. Calzada, he's willing to do that, man. Uh, and so I think people will play for him when they realize what kind of metal he's made of. Um, but... It's definitely good to see him out there having fun and being a college student and enjoying the experience in Auburn. Thanks. Got a good question here for you guys uh, by Kyle Sweat. Appreciate you, man, watching with us and commenting. What do you think will lead to a better season if you had to pick one? Much mm. improved run blocking or deep ball accuracy? Mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick deep ball accuracy. I, I think the two play 
uh, for, uh, they they actually go hand in hand with mm-hmm. you know better run blocking at the point of attack and then being able to like just mash and get up to the second level is something our offensive line can absolutely improve on. There was a lot of stalemates happening, but I think the deep ball accuracy makes your run game a little bit easier to block for, right? right. Because again, it changes the way. I don't think people realize the half a second, one second uh, false step that a defender makes because he's being sucked in by a play action pass, how that changes what you're able to do deep as far as uh, wide receivers getting open behind a linebacker or behind a safety or the, um, the, the how slow you are to come downhill against the run as a safety or a linebacker being affected by the fact that you know there's a guy who can go blowing past you and the, and, a, and the quarterback can can accurately like those are very symbiotic relationships on an offense. Uh, so I think for me, the deep ball accuracy will improve our abilities to do that if we scheme it open. Because good God, guys, if you watched the film with us last year, we schemed a lot of guys open last year that we just absolutely missed. Either the quarterback didn't see them or they didn't deliver an accurate pass to them. Right. And so if you continue to scheme guys open, the quarterback makes the right read, right throw. It changes what the run game will look like because now teams know I can't just commit my focus to the run because if I do, we're going to get burnt. Right. right. We're going to get burnt often. Right. Uh, so, again, it just it, it absolutely the Texas A&M game is a perfect example of this. Texas A&M kicked more field goals than us enough to win that game. Right. Without the touchdown, because. In the instances where Zach Calzada could make the deep throws, he was. Yep. He hit them right. the two or three times he needed to, got them in field goal range, put them in a position to win that football game. Yeah. That was literally the difference in that game. They didn't score an offensive touchdown, but he put them in field goal range enough to win it, even without that defensive touchdown. And I think another thing, reason why I agree with you guys on this is because the reason we were able to scheme guys open is because opposing defenses play the percentages. They know what tank can do with the ball in his hand. Mm -hmm. Right. If we haven't shown that we're able to burn people, then I'm, I'm more likely to play downhill a lot faster. There were things we did on watch the film. We showed guys not necessarily maybe having eight or nine in the box per se, but they're, they're like right outside the box. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're playing downhill. They're playing one speed. But the moment you have to make them hesitate or they have to play more, play you more balanced and evenly, you're able to do more things with your offense. Tank was clearly our best player, but we couldn't give him the ball because where was he going to run? There was more people to block than you had blockers. So when you force them to play on the back end and respect that, then your run game does begin to have more success. And I think a lot of what we saw was just teams – I mean, we haven't coached uh, uh, we haven't coached football at all, but we know how to defend Auburn based right. on how based on our talent level and what we can do. These guys have been doing it for years, so of course they're going to follow that game plan and make Bo Nix or Finley or whoever beat us last year. Yeah, right? listen, it was real simple. No team we played respected our ability to pass the ball down the field. No, right? Yeah. And so some games we made them pay, and other games we didn't. But either way, we never put enough on tape for them to consistently say you roll the dice the other direction. So in the games where we got good bow, we killed teams. <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. 
Oh, first half of Ole Miss. You know, when we got the first good, half Mississippi State. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got in those games where we got the good, it, we looked almost undefensible, indefensible. Yeah. And right. I mean, no, we were indefensible in the first half of all of those games. Yeah. It was, it was, it was almost silly. It was like, like, like okay, why, why can we not be this team for the entirety of games for the entirety of a season? Because it looked ridiculous. It was just like, yo, they're just, they're doing whatever they want to out here on the field. Yeah. And so. Because you got the athletes to do it. Like, I, that's what's I, the most overblown thing I think from last year is that we didn't have talent. That's silly. We were, we, the talent was there. This the, was the talent playing consistently too. And we keep bringing up the difference between the floor and the ceiling. Was the talent playing consistently closer to their ceiling? No. And, and if you argue that, well, the talent ceiling isn't as high as other people, I would argue that that's irrelevant execution and how far away you are from your talent floor is really where you're going to see the difference in teams being able to win football games. Facts. That's it, man. That's all I'm saying. It's just, you know, when, when we saw, when it was good, we saw what this team could be. And when it was bad, but either way, we never did it consistently enough for any, like nobody saw the tape from Arkansas and said, oh, we got to start guarding the downfield pet. That was an outlier in the totality of our season. Right. Yeah. And you know, we caught Ole Miss with it, but if you if you were studying the Ole Miss tape, you saw the first and the second half. You saw both ends of that. You said, mm, yeah, they did it in the first half, but like they didn't do it in the second half. Then we go right. into Mississippi State, and that's exactly what showed up. First half brilliance, second half ineptitude. <laughs> and their offense was not struggling. No. That's all I'm saying. I'm just like, yo, like it, it just it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's it's um, it's uh, it's uh, one of those things where we have to do it. Just prove the teams that we can do it consistently. Prove that you can do it consistently. You know, both halves. You know, sixty minutes of football, and uh, it gets easier for everybody. So, is what it is. <laughs>